Everybody. Welcome to episode 11. We're back. Yeah, we're straight into this intro. I thought we we're going to have like a little like we're going to start right now, but we just went straight into it. I apologize. We're going to start right now. <laughs> All right. Start. All right. Welcome to episode 11. Sorry for cutting you off, by the way, last time. I didn't want to like, I feel like I was disrespectful of me as your guest to cut you off. Well, no, you know what? That, was that was wrong of me, and I should have given a little more of a. All you right. Three, two, one. Start. All right, welcome to episode eleven. We're in a little bit. Wait, of that was really disrespectful of me to cut you off twice now. <laughs> Should we just keep this whole thing in? Uh, all right, all jokes aside, start. All right, welcome to episode eleven. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Hey, episode of this? Eleven. Okay. Yeah, we were we're firmly in double digits now, and uh, you know things are things have been good. And I apologize for being a little sloppy on the the posting um, schedule. I but promise, I promise you, no one cares. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think a single person cares. It's no, I don't. In my life. Well, the voice you're hearing right now is the one and only Akram Albir. We're very lucky to have him today. Akram, thank you so much for joining. I can't really say it's a pleasure. Um, I've been waiting quite a few weeks for this. the text I got today. I actually haven't talked to Alex in like weeks or months, I think. And today I, I saw the phone call, the ring, and I was like, finally, this guy's reaching out to me. And I answer first thing, not even like a how are you or anything. Just, oh, you want to do a podcast tonight? So, we talked. We talked yesterday. Yeah, I'm sure it's about the podcast too. I think. All right. Well, anyway, it's a pleasure to have you here, and the timing is impeccable because we're we're taping this on a Monday night, so we are just over 24 hours removed from one of the best sporting events in the history of mankind, at least in my right. opinion. We saw the 2022 World Cup final in what was really, I would say, like a pretty incredible World Cup as someone who's not watched a ton of these, but wildly entertaining. And it's like probably just like the most intense momentum swinging form of competition that I've ever seen, at least in terms of that final. So, I mean, you have international implications for the countries involved. You have career defining legacy moments for Messi and Kylian Mbappe. You have Messi kind of approaching the twilight of his career and Mbappe is continuing to thrive on the global stage after getting France the the, uh, the World Cup victory last last World Cup. Are you reading this off ESPN? No, I'm not reading this off ESPN. <laughs> you got like a whole fucking like storyline built up here. This is, you know, this is, this is, this is the open, you know? Um, but anyway, the, the point is, is that, you know, the thing took like three hours. It was tied after 90 minutes. They had the two sets of extra time. It was tied after 105 minutes. It was tied after 120 minutes. These were two, it seems like pretty evenly matched teams. And then of course, in penalties, France struggled and Argentina emerged as the champions. So just what's your gut reaction after that match for that specific final and then the World Cup as a whole? Okay, gut reaction. And I want to be completely like transparent with you um, as your friend. I think yesterday was one of the hardest days of my life emotionally ever. <laughs> um, and no, it's not funny. It was it was a very tough, you know, 24 hours for me. Um, the, the game itself was very fun to watch. It was very entertaining. I just, I don't think people understand the implications of what happened and how, how negative these implications are going to be in the long term for our perceptions of these players um, and so forth. Um, so I, I think, you know, everyone had a good time yesterday, you know, haha, but I think people are missing the big picture here. So then what, what exactly is the big picture and what, what are the negative implications for, for, are there negative implications for Messi here? I mean, well, we saw maybe the most rigged competition in the history of sports <laughs> and it's, it's really, 
And I'm not, I don't want to sound like a butthurt, you know, salty, messy hater. I, and I probably am at this point. But I mean, the because the issue is these kind of things, it's like this is casual, you know, this is this is the tournament for casuals. Everyone's watching the World Cup final, obviously. Sure. So Even I was watching. Yes, I know. Been for the last 30 years, they see one game where he got carried by the officiating and everything to get to a final. And then they scrape through the skin of their teeth. Um, and they win it. And so now there's the narrative switch. So it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people coming out of yesterday's match saying that, you know, the GOAT debate is over. And we can get into that in a minute. But it was certainly, it, it drew a lot of reaction from, like you were saying, kind of the casual soccer fan that really only knows guys like Ronaldo and Messi. And it's like, oh, well, Messi won this one and Ronaldo didn't. And that means Messi's the best. Like, it becomes a very binary debate because Messi did something and Ronaldo didn't. And all of a sudden, that's who the yeah, best I mean, I mean, you know, I, you know, I love Ronaldo. I do. I, this, I mean, like, the issue is this, the, his legacy's taken such a huge hit and it's not even his fault. I mean, you can't, the amount, like the quotes that were coming out, you know, the, the host of the tournament saying, you know, we would love to see Messi win the World Cup, um, you know, all this stuff, the getting five penalties in one tournament. And it's just all this, you know, all this stuff. I don't want to, you know, I, I, I know I'm coming off as a very salty right now, which I am. Um, but I just, I think the bigger picture here is being missed. Yeah, I mean, and, and for those of you who understand, Akram is acknowledging this. He's so he's a, an enormous Ronaldo fan, and part of his Ronaldo fandom involves a little bit of just he has Ronaldo thirty eight years old, thirty eight. I think people forget Messi has two years over him. Ronaldo two years ago was just as good as Messi is right now, and it just it's like people forget this stuff. And I mean, Messi, I mean, when that decline hits, because it's gonna hit soon, it's gonna hit like crack. I mean, I'm gonna be soaking that and injecting it into my veins <laughs> because I mean that. His career has just been a complete facade, and it's it, I, I can't wait for the, you know the, the, the house of cards to fall down. I mean, and listen, this is coming from somebody who has not been thoroughly tracking Messi's career, but it, it feels like winning the World Cup was kind of filled in the one gaping hole and was otherwise a pretty flawless. No, okay, shut up, shut up, shut up. Okay, see, first of all, if we're gonna go with this argument, then I'm sorry, Pele is the he's the go. He's won three World Cups. Second of all, I mean. Once again, I don't want to bring it back to Ronaldo because it's not about Ronaldo. Uh, kind of is about Ronaldo. I mean, <laughs> Ronaldo, he comes from a country that historically doesn't have, they've never won a World Cup. He won them their first ever national trophy. Messi's coming from a country that the expectation is to win a World Cup and compete every World Cup. That's... So Argentina's won two World Cups before this. So it's, they're, they're, not, they're not Brazil. I mean, they're not winning. Like, they're not. Yeah, winning. but they're not Portugal. That's a good point. That's a good counter. Listen, Portugal. I mean, like, I notice if you're Portuguese watching this, probably not. I don't know any Portuguese people watching this podcast, but I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, Ronaldo put this country on the map in soccer terms. So, so I, we're comparing apples and oranges. But I mean, that's the issue because it's like 30 years from now, we're not going to be sitting here, you know, counting our cards. We're going to be, oh, Messi got a World Cup. Right. It's all about the the narrative is is often controlled by the mass media, and the mass media are often not the most intricate fans or the people who watch the final and just, you know. Yeah, I'm Skip. You're Shannon. Oh, no, you're Skip. I'm Shannon. Yeah. Because Skip is all about the narratives. Right. Well, yeah, like, I mean, listen, I'm trying. You heard I'm, Shannon the other day. No, no, Shannon, you heard Shannon the other day. He was telling Skip to his face, golf is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. He was spitting the facts. But, of course, Skip doesn't want to agree with him because, oh, all these, oh, Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. He's Tom Brady. But no, you gotta you gotta look at the facts. Jared Goff is a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's just <laughs> we're getting off the rails here. Well, listen, we'll get into the the Goff debate. Jared Goff running the Goff fence for the Detroit Lions, but yeah, indeed, like that one. But <laughs> let's let's stay on this a little bit because 
I wanted to bring up some stats to you for. for no, the- oh my! I knew we were gonna go here. Listen, you and the stats. I'm not. I'm not gonna how go. About, how about no, no? Forget the stats. How about watch the game? How about watch that fraud get five penalties? Yeah. The These are not Messi versus Ronaldo all-time stats. This is this is specifically from the World Cup. And the reason I'm bringing oh, this up God. is the fact that years old. Argentina won won this World Cup, and it feels like, at least from a holistically on a statistical point of view, they're the best team. The reason I say that, and again, this that's not to support Messi or take away from Messi. It's just the fact they had two. So the three top goal scorers in this World Cup. Number one was Kylian Mbappe. Number two was Messi, and he was tied with his teammate, Julian. Is it Alvarez? Is that, is that his teammate, right? Well, they both had seven. You, before, you, before you continue, if you yeah. took my middle school travel soccer team, Force FC, and you put us in the World Cup, and you had the refs holding our hands for 90 minutes every game, I'm sure we could put up a few wins too, string, string together a few wins. You think that's going to put friggin' me at striker in the good debate? No, it's ridiculous. I'm not going to go. I'm not even – It's so the, I don't care about these stats. Messi scored, you know, five goals. First of all, everyone always makes fun of Ronaldo for scoring penalties. R- Messi scored four penalties in this World Cup, and he had five awarded to him. So since one were penalties, suddenly not considered goals. Well, Mbappe benefited from a lot of penalties as well, at least especially in, in the in no World in that Cup. one game. But he he Mbappe was the best player of the tournament, though. Sure, sure. And he I, I, did he win the award for best player in the tournament? No, or of he? course the golden boy Messi got it because why oh, would he? Okay. All right. Well, hold on a second because I'm I'm getting towards a larger point that I think you're actually going to appreciate. So Argentina, they, you know, so they they led all countries in shots on goal, interceptions, and free kicks, right? And then we talked about the fact that they had two of the top three goal scorers. So you know, so they're fairly dominant. The only team that really competed with them, at least from a team perspective, is Brazil, and they of course fell short. They kind of, I mean, they kind of choked. Let's be honest. But what I'm bringing up here is on the French end of things, because for that team led by Kylian Mbappe, it's clear that they that Argentina beat a compromised. France, right? They were missing, so they're missing Paul Pogba. Who, where does he play now again? It doesn't matter. He doesn't play. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, but they're missing. What, what's uh, what's the guy who won the the? How do you pronounce the MVP award in soccer? MVP award. Oh, Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. Yeah, Ballon d'Or. Benzema, yeah, Benzema and Kante and Kunku, all these guys. Yeah, the Lucas Hernandez. I mean, listen. If there's one positive I'm going to take away from that game yesterday is that there's still hope that Messi is not going to go down as the greatest of all time. Because, because Mbappe could be coming. And listen, I this isn't like a personal vendetta against Messi. I don't, you know, I'm happy. I'm not happy for him, but I'm sure people are out there happy for him, and that's fine. And, you know, he can have, he can smile for a few days. But for me, I just, I want, I want the narratives to be as accurate as possible. Yesterday was unfortunately a big, a huge step back. Um, and, and, and it, it, I think the saddest part for me is knowing that Ronaldo is 38 years old. Um, and I mean, I don't want to say he, he doesn't have one last dance because, you know, it's Ronaldo. He always has one last dance in him, but it's not guaranteed. Um, so, so I think from my perspective, the Ronaldo train, you know, is starting to ship, but luckily the Mbappe train has arrived just in time. Yeah. Uh, it's at the and, station. And, yeah. And let's be honest, I'm, I'm here at the station. We have a whole party here and we're <laughs> ready to get, you know, get lit in the, in the Mbappe train. Well, let me ask um, you So. For the 2022 Ballon d'Or winner, what his name is? Uh, what's his name again? Benzema. Okay, so say he. So just so everyone's aware, so the Ballon d'Or award is given to the quote unquote like best player in the world. It's kind of like the NBA MVP. It's who has the best season, not necessarily who's actually the best player. The, the best world. calendar year, not the best season. Okay, best calendar year. Okay, so my first question is, if he was playing on this France team, he is he better than <laughs> Mbappe in this tournament or no? Is Mbappe still quote? Sorry. I guess if, if Mbappe, would he be the best player on this team or would it have still been Kylian Mbappe? No, I mean, it's still Mbappe. I mean, Benzema, he had a, 
an outrageous year, but I mean Mbappe, he's he's the chosen one. Okay, so let me ask you this then. So France gets all the way to penalties and then they, they struggle in penalties. Who knows? They could have won this, right? If Pogba's there, if Benzema's there. If I know that's the, bro. I'm, okay, first of all, Loris, he the guy was literally just, he's like a second enemy <laughs> jumping towards the ball. Uh second of all, they had no penalty takers. Mbappe, I mean, first of all, he scored three penalties in one game. And people think, oh, that's and that's super impressive because he's playing against one of the best penalty stoppers in the world, and then Martinez, and he went the same way all three times, and every single time went in. So yeah. and in a World Cup final too, where there's all the pressure, et cetera, and so forth. Is that intentional that he's just going the same way every time? Is it like what's the deal? Probably with that? just he's the most comfortable with that. I don't know. Sure. Uh, I mean, the guy is like a mental like terminator. He he, you can't you can't phase him. So sure. I mean, if he's gonna go that way, he's gonna go that way. You can't stop him. But you know, if Benzema takes penalties for Real Madrid, Pogba's taken a lot of penalties in the past. So I mean that's that's I mean that's obviously if they were playing it's a whole different game in the first place. But, so do you, do you have any doubt that France at full strength would have beaten Argentina? I mean, it's like with with the officiating at hand and with all the stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't know say because it was like every time they seemed like they were going to lose, it's like oh penalty. That's kind of that's convenient. So I, I I can't you know say for sure. Um, but that France team yesterday, I mean, that was shocking. They were. It was ten useless players out there and killing Mbappe. Um, so I mean, it, you could literally throw like anyone half decent, and it would have been a different game. So the only thing I'll say is like, so Mbappe scored eight out of his team's sixteen goals in this tournament, but like Messi scored seven out of fifteen. Like he still had a tremendous four. tournament too, right? Four penalties. Do I have to you spell it out for you? He had four. four. You said right? Yeah. Well, he had five. He missed one. Um, okay. But he had five. What? Oh, that's fair. I, I, that's a good point. Yeah, but, I know. That's what I I'm mean, making. take advantage of, of, of the opportunities you're awarded, though, right? Yeah, but it's not – awarded is such a generous word. They weren't awarded. They were they were handed to him. Well, officiating's officiating. I mean, Listen, okay, here's a here's a good example. The Di Maria penalty yesterday, um, first of all, it wasn't a penalty. It was a dive. And By the way, so because most of the people who are listening probably – who is that? Like, I don't know who that is. He's he's Argentina's best player. I've said that for a long time. He is their best player. He's the reason Argentina is even competing in all these tournaments. Okay. Um, but he's also a little rat, and he dived. And so as a result, they got a penalty. First of all, that wasn't a penalty. They gave it whatever. And then later in the game, I think it was Komen had almost an identical foul where it actually was a penalty, and they didn't give it. So it just it's like these small margins, but it's like you can't you can't be that flimsy as a referee. In, in but there's a double stand. If a foul there, it's going to be a foul here. Um, so just stuff like that. I mean, I, there were so many examples. The the penalty against Poland. I mean, Chesney like tapped his face, and he's a goalie. He's he's allowed to use his hands. They give a penalty. So it's like, but I mean, that's like it's backs against the wall. You know, their their star boys about to go to the World Cup, where they have to do something to save him. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's the issue. It's like Ronaldo has this. There's this sort of perception that he's like he's not, he's a bad person, all this stuff, and Messi's like this like shy nice guy. And so it's like we have to sort of, you know, we have to treat him like a like the the golden boy. So let me ask, can you expand a little bit on that? Why why is why is Messi the golden boy? I know you kind of got into it, like it's it's just kind of made you. Listen, like, if I, I wish I had, I wish I could tell you. I mean, if it was up to me, it wouldn't be this way. Like I've suffered for so long now, and it's not. It's it, it really at this point, it's like it, like yesterday after the game, I had to go on a drive. I had to drive around Bloomfield for like thirty minutes and just kind of like clear my head. When I saw you send that goat emoji in the group chat, I mean, my head went to Mars. I mean, I, I opened Instagram, and it's like 
everyone and their mother is putting this guy on their story. It's like, I don't even know I followed half these people. It's like, where do you guys even come from? It's like, I, I just spawned people. People just spawned up my Instagram and started posting them on the story. Like, I didn't sign up for back this. From the dead in social media. Yeah, it's like, I didn't sign up for this. I'm just, and it's like, and it's fine. It's it's what well, happened to happen. I don't want to be salty about it anymore. It's done. I have to relax. Um, well, like I said, you know, Mbappe at the age of 23, he's got three goals in the World Cup finals. He's already won a World Cup, which apparently, according to Messi fans, is like the golden standard. Um, and immediately makes you the goat. So, so I'm not worried. I think I think Mbappe is gonna I, if he makes the right career moves, which I think he will. I, I think there's hope still. Yeah, he's 24 years old. He's got a lot longer to play. In I think he's 23 still. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. even better. He's got plenty of time to make 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 a real run for being among the best. Okay. Players. Here, I'm gonna flip the tables here. From your perspective, as you know, you're like a casual fan. You know, I watch some games, maybe the big ones. Sure. So, what is your take on everything? I mean, clearly Argentina is a better team. Than... <laughs> you just burp. Sorry. No, you're okay. <laughs> just <laughs> laugh. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Argentina's a he, Messi has a better supporting cast than Ronaldo has had. But again, like international. Soccer, another point, by the way, they give Messi like 15. I, you don't even know what Copa America is. They give him 15 Copa Americas just so he could finally win one trophy with Argentina. It's like there's there's all these like things at play, and it just. All right, keep going. Sorry. Well, it just like and again, I I wouldn't be able to explain this for all, but obviously, like international soccer is not the only contributing factor to someone's resume to be the best player of all time. You know, they have their, yeah. their club resumes too, which again, I don't, I don't know the breakdown of both players. I mean, I, I, I mean, Ronaldo is like, the greatest champions league player of all time. He's won La Liga's he's won. So with the Spanish league, Italian league, the premier league, he's won champions league at different clubs. He, he, at the club level, I think he's the best of all time. International level. He won Portugal, the first ever, their first ever national trophy. And it's annoying because all this doesn't fucking matter anymore because Messi freaking got carried to this one trophy. And not even carried. He got handed to it on a golden plate by the freaking tournament coordinators and everything. Um, so it is what it is. You make a very good argument. And listen. No, I it's mean, not a good argument, you know, because now I'm going to look like the deluded, salty guy. But it just no. it is what it is. I mean, I, I think you should probably – It'd be difficult to make a case that Messi has a better club career than than Ronaldo, despite all this. But again, everyone's you know it, it, everyone's going to love, and including me, like someone like me is going to love the the you know the the World Cup was the last you know missing piece to a, a perfect puzzle. Yeah, it's a nice story, but that's what they wanted. That's why that's why it makes sense. They wanted to have it. It's like the it's like someone like it's like they got freaking uh like Steven Spielberg, Tarantino. Freaking Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, they all got into James a room. Cameron, the Avatar yeah, guy. Cameron, you, me, they got us all into a room before this World Cup, and they were like, all right, what's going to be like the most enticing way to do this? We'll have Messi versus his, his, uh, you know, his next competition in Mbappe, the next sort of the golden boy, and and have it be like a shootout where they both get a bunch of goals. And sure, it, it was it's a cool story. I, I enjoyed watching the game yesterday. Not really. I enjoyed parts of it. Um, and that's that. Yeah, you bring up some good points, and you know, I I'm trying to remain neutral as someone who doesn't know enough about soccer. Well, listen, here's the thing: like, no one like Ronaldo's not even relevant at this point. That's like that's the that's the that's sort of the the magnitude of what happened yesterday. It's like Ronaldo's like no one cares about him anymore. He's just some washed up Portuguese guy who has nice abs, and you know he likes to take pictures in his gym. The guy's unemployed. Like, do you like it's this is how far I, I'm I'm on my knees, like starving right now. 
Like this is it's just, it's tough. You're his last line of defense. I mean, no, there's a few of us. The guy, he has a pretty he, we're we're strong, but all right. Well, listen, let's talk a little bit about Ronaldo. Wait, no, I feel like I cut you off again though. So <laughs> who is your go in, in three words? Honestly, I don't know enough to name a goat. All I'll say is like it's not. I I don't think Messi winning the World Cup is his first big time achievement in, in soccer. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll leave. if you want to move on, we'll leave it at that. What's what's some internal though? Because let's and let's forget the World Cup for a little bit because he has been wrapped in controversy really this entire calendar year. He had that interview with uh, who, who was the interview with Morgan? Yeah, yeah, it was with, and he just pretty much buried the entirety of Manchester United for the and for the way. No, that, no, 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 no. That's not true. Okay. Well, okay. Finish. Finish your. Finish your little spiel. At least specifically, he was kind of expressing his frustration with the disrespect he felt he was receiving from Manchester United's coach. Is okay. That right? No, that's that's fair. Okay. And because of that, that led to him. I mean, this is in the middle of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And then he gets his contract terminated, and like you said, now he's unemployed. So, first of all, can you, for the people out there listening, the very few people out there listening, good thing you... about it, me and you have more employment right now than Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We're making more money per. That's actually not true. He's definitely making more. Money the guy's money. got some investments or something. Yeah, I mean, he's. I'm sure he's going to pay a lot of ad revenue and stuff. <laughs> but still, I mean, like we, like that guy could file for for freaking unemployment at this point. He could get the freaking two K stimmy if it was going <laughs> still. Okay, well, first of all, can you break down it in as objective a way as you can? Okay. What happened in that interview, and maybe why where that frustration came from? No, I think the interview, I mean, listen, this is, I'm coming from an interesting perspective because I'm a United fan and I'm also an Aldo fan. Right. Um, so I have stake in both sides of this. And I think it was a perfectly reasonable interview. Um, I would, it was, I think it was like an hour and a half long or something. And there was maybe like two minutes of controversial things that he shouldn't have, maybe shouldn't have said, which was about Ten Hag and then about Rooney. Those are the two things where I was like, all right, we can relax here. Um, but on the whole, it was a very good interview. First of all, he called out the ownership of the club. And the way it's run and the investments, which is the first time any current players done that in our history. Um, and now we're looking to sell the club finally, Glazers, which is, I mean, that's historic. He he's like he sacrificed himself for the club. So if anything, I think he's made himself a bigger legend throughout this interview. Again, he wasn't Glazers, they also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who recently won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And it's you know, the reality, like for many Americans who own both well, I shouldn't say many, but like the the Cronkies who own the Rams and also own yeah, they care more about the American team. Exactly. They, they put forth more money towards their American teams because they just care more. And that's kind yeah. of cool. No, I mean, ask any United fan. They all, they all hate the Glazers. Um, it just, it's just the way it is. When I was at the game earlier this year, um, I was sort of like, I was walking towards, I was walking around the whole stadium to get to the other side. Sure. And so we passed the like little area where like everyone, like the VIP guys like park and walk in. And one of the people who like parked, who got driven up to the stadium was, um, I forgot. I always forget the, the first name. It was one of the Glazers, and when he walked toward like out of this car and into the stadium, everyone was just booing him like crazy. So I mean, like it's just we all hate we all hate the Glazers. Um, but in any case, um, I forgot what we were saying. Well, it, pretty much it's just about this controversy that Ronaldo's been, and I feel like yeah, one kind of I don't know indicting factor for Ronaldo is that the big issue that at least from what I could tell, is someone who doesn't you know isn't that have that great of a pulse what's going on, but is that he didn't. He felt disrespected by the fact of not being a starter consistently and at times being asked to come on as a substitute. And the indicting factor is the fact that a similar situation arose during the World Cup, like playing for Portugal, where, again, he was frustrated with being a substitute. And then, of course, his, his sub scored like a weird hat trick and it was kind of 
it hurt his optics a little bit more. So, you know, what's this deal with him, just his refusal to come out as a sub? I Listen, I think he is very justified. If you walked into work tomorrow and someone just started peeing on your face, you're not going to be happy. If <laughs> people deserve a certain amount of respect in their own workplace, let alone someone who's built up a career like he has and, and put in the work he has and get, made the name he has. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of controversy. And it didn't seem like him and Tanag were on the same page at all throughout this whole situation, which is not... Um, it's always going to you know, lead to issues like this. Uh, but, I mean, beyond this, he's had a, a terrible year. You know, his I think his daughter passed or died in birth. Um, he's had, like, a lot of tough things. So I think the whole interview was perfectly reasonable. He's, he's a human being. He has emotions. Um, and I, I think it just – it's sad because all this – it seems like he's had probably the worst calendar year he could have had in his life. I mean, with the whole United thing and his daughter and then the World Cup and then Messi winning it, I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. So – I think it's I think it's justified. No, I mean, you're right. We often I feel like we consider athletes as like aliens, and we forget they're human beings and they have emotions, yeah. and sometimes they overcome you. But it, it's like his struggle to to gracefully age in the sport, and I don't mean that in the sense of not necessarily solely based on like his ability to still play well or to play at a high level. Yeah, it I I just feel like I, I see so many like NBA comps for this. Like for example, like Carmelo Anthony, right? You know, all time. Yeah, uh, bench players want to be stars. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and because you're saying you know he's built a name for himself, he's he's done all, he's created this reputation, and that can. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. The issue is like I think from his perspective, it's like you're seeing Messi, who was always his direct competitor, you know, win the World Cup and stuff. So he's not going to want to just scoot off to the bench and you know rot on the bench for a while. I think he wants to. He's he's the kind of player who's always wanted to have the big moments. Um, sure, and and that desire for big moments is big, but like you can you can still capture them coming yeah. off the bench. You know, no, I agree. I think his best career move right now would be to go to like a Real Madrid or a Bayern or something, accept the bench role and try to throw in a couple more Champions League goals, maybe get a more few more trophies and then call it quits. Because at this point, you know, he, there's nothing to lose and there's there's at least a little bit to gain. Sure. Um, like I, I was hoping he was going to retire after winning the World Cup. That obviously didn't happen. Um, so I, he, I think he has to find a way to retire you know, not if you were tired today, I mean, it would be tragic, unfortunately. I think I would, I would, I would go to bed crying every night because it's not been, <laughs> you know, a good few weeks for him. Yeah. So I, I think it's just about, you know, playing his cards correctly. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, like you, it's hard. It's hard to, like, you know, kind of take a step back from your, like, this. I mean, you're a big LeBron fan. You're, you're watching this firsthand. I mean, yeah, and I think LeBron's having a little bit slower rate, but we, it's LeBron's not the first guy to, to, to age. And I think he's aging is, almost as gracefully as you can. I mean, like going back to Carmelo, right? Like he's like this all-time great, like isolation player, right? He's 20 points for over 20 points per game for like, I don't even know how many straight years. And then within two years, he's out of the league, right? He's been a year, almost a year away from basketball. He, he was unemployed, right? And then what, what was it? What's that? That sounds familiar. Unemployed. <laughs> yeah. and, and the reality is his biggest issue was a refusal to come off the bench. Like it's almost an exact comp. Now, he came back. He had that nice little stint in Portland. But even now, Carmelo isn't playing, and it's not for a lack of of trying. He, he's not. All right. Uh, listen, I'm all for the comparisons, but I mean, we're comparing Scrubs to to stars. Well, Carmelo not, Anthony. You're right. Yeah. I'm not directly comparing them, like Carmelo to Ronaldo. I'm saying there's so many examples within sports of the the ungraceful aging of a superstar, like Westbrook. Like look at Russell Westbrook, right? The MVP triple double yeah. thing, right? I think there's a few things that play here. For one, Westbrook's what, like 32. Uh, Westbrook's 34, I think. Okay, I mean, Ronaldo's 
he started turning 38, I think, this month or next month. Like, there, there's a difference. He, you can't, he's not freaking, you know, Jesus Christ himself. He's not going to be able to play the rest of his life. Right. So I, I think it's just normal that he's not as good as he was a few years ago. Um, and he doesn't have to, like, you know, change his whole freaking regimen and, and you know, give a call to Carmelo Anthony to see how he's doing in the NBA to, to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, but like, there's, there's, you know, Every, each player has a separate set of variables that contribute to kind of their downfall. Like Carmelo wasn't a catch and shoot guy. Westbrook can't shoot the basketball. And now he's like a, now he's like an inefficient gadget, like sixth man. And he was also slow to realize that it's his time to come off the bench. Right. And you know, who knows if it's too late, who knows if he's going to get another big contract in this league. I would assume. No, like the same thing happened to Allen Iverson. The same thing happened to, I can't think of another guy, but the point is, is these guys, you know, when your body starts to decline, you have to adapt the way you play. You have to adapt the way you think up here in your brain. And some guys are slow to do that. And if you're not fast enough, you know, you kind of get swept to the side. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you. And plus, like, Ronaldo, he's his his way of aging was turning into, like, a, a, a goal scorer who kind of just, like, did, you know, just scored the goals and let the team do the rest of the, you know, the rest of the business and, and kind of just minimizing his role um, overall. And I think the issue is that, being a striker is a very hard position to play as you get older because sure. it's so much about your movement. It's about, you know, being sharp. It's about being able to move past your defender and stuff. So uh, it's not like playing as like a, either, a, I mean, center backs, they usually age pretty well um, defensive midfielders because for them, it's a lot about using their brain to play instead of their bodies. Right. Um, cause Messi's he's like, I, cause I know whenever you ask what position is Messi playing, it's like Messi just plays man. But like, it's, it feels like yeah, he's he, 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 never had a shred of responsibility in his life. But he has shifted a little bit in terms of his responsibilities. Now he plays like I was talking about this with Grayson recently. Like now he's a little bit more of like a facilitator rather than like the focal point of the offense. Yeah, he has to have a lot, ten other guys holding his hand, doing all the dirty work for him. It's, I mean, you can call it a facilitator. I'll call it just being lazy. All right. Well, the point is there is a way to age gracefully, right? We've seen athletes age gracefully. I know we're not loving what LeBron's doing right now, but I, uh, this is this is such a you're. You're you're throwing this narrative now, bro. Like, like well, I know I'm you're. Not, I'm not saying Messi's doing it and Ronaldo's not, but like, look, look no, at the guy. I know. Like Ronaldo at 35 years old was just as good as Messi. Sure, but okay. But so we're talking about like the, the decline of athleticism as players age. And right? by the way, that's why he's going to go to the MLS next year because he's no he knows he's finished. Well, we'll see if he actually goes to the MLS. But all right, look look at Derrick Rose. Right, Derrick Rose like broke like every bone in his body. Right, he's I wouldn't say he's aged gracefully. But he's completely he's a role from playing style. Yeah, he play he 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 plays under the rim instead of playing like three feet over it, right? Yeah. He comes off the bench and he's a completely different player, but he he's developed like a three-point shot and he's gonna survive in this league. The same thing happened to Grant Hill. He went from being like the guy in Detroit and for like 45 <laughs> minutes in Orlando before he broke down his body. Brandon and then, Knight. Well, Brandon Knight. <laughs> Brandon Knight. But, but like Grant Hill played for like 18 years in the league. Like he just, he figured it out. He said, you know, I'm going to be a role player. If that's what, it, if that's what it takes, you know? So my question is, you talked about this earlier, what you're hoping Ronaldo does taking this job as a sub. The question is, do you think he will be able to sacrifice his ego? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think he was, um, I think it was hard for him to see it before. I think now it's, he's gotten to the point with the last six months where he's going to, I think he knows that he, what he has to do to keep his, his career alive. Because listen, at the end of the day, Ronaldo doesn't want he wants to be a starter, he wants to be all that stuff. But I know even deeper than that, he still wants to be a big name player and, and have big name moments. And he knows he's gonna to do that, he's gonna have to adapt to a new role. So I, I think he's gonna do it. 
And I, I also don't think, I think people also exaggerate. I don't think he was that, I don't think he was ever up, like unwilling to be a sub for Portugal or for United. I think it was more so factors outside of that, like whatever they were that made him upset. I, I don't I don't think he's like this me before the team player that people sort of paint him to be. Well, for his sake, I hope you're right. I hope he's willing to kind of make that adjustment because if not, then, you know, this could be, could be numbered. Yeah. But, all right, well, listen. It was it was a uh, a loaded topic, loaded loaded experience for you, really, as someone who I don't think the day went exactly how you were planning. But no, it was. Listen, I don't want to be okay. I think I've already said this before, but I don't want to come off as like some salty guy. I it was a fun game, but whatever. Right, it's time to move on. You know, the Premier League, the season still has to finish out and everything. There's a lot. There's a lot left on other than just the World Cup. That's not like yeah. the entire sport. So. All right, well, we've we've unpacked a lot about soccer. Let's move a little bit to the NBA, and we'll talk about your team, the Miami Heat. So, you know, I mean, you're getting like a pretty typical Jimmy Butler season. His numbers are down a little bit. You're having Tyler Hero drop. I think he dropped like a career-high 41 points recently. Um, I mean, like, let's let's be honest with the Miami Heat. They, they are who they are. They're the kind of team that's – the difference is they're not good in the regular season anymore. I gotta be honest with you. I've barely been watching the NBA this year. This has been the worst NBA season in maybe like the last fifteen years. I'm probably in our lifetimes. Um, so why do you say that though? I th- I just think the league's in a drought right now. I think, uh, you know, me and you were big LeBron fans, uh, sure. and I think we're going through a little post LeBron drought. I mean, he's still he's still in the league, but like it's not it's not the same as before when he was always, you know, fighting for titles and and sort of at the front forefront of the league. Um, and I don't know. I just, it doesn't, I think another issue too is like, I think there's, there's so much like the, the talent seems so spread out this, this year that it's like, I don't even know which team to like want to watch at this point. Cause it's like every team has like one good player, but it's like, I don't know. It's not the same as before. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. You could argue there's an excessive amount of parody in the NBA and that there's so many good teams. There are, there is no, you know, this great collection of like three all-star players on one team anymore. Yeah. Cause like a few years ago, it's like, Oh, we have like, obviously Cavs Warriors, even like a couple years ago, it's like we have Celtic. There's like the, the classic, the Celtics, the Heat, uh, Bucks, Nets. They were always like the, the, the contenders, Raptors. And now it's like, they're, they're probably still contend, but like, you know, it's like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about this year is that you're having these magical individual seasons from players who are on teams that are like hovering around 500. Curry just hurt his shoulder, but I mean, Curry's, if if his team is better, he's the MVP. He's playing amazingly well. And the Warriors are like below 500. Same thing with Durant, same thing with Luka, you know? So it's interesting in that you're having these like absurd statistical seasons and these guys are all like, you know, they're, they're outside the, the play-in tournament right now. Like they, they'd be barely maybe in the play-in tournament. It's funny. They, it's, it's well-known names, right? Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, established players who are playing extremely well and just, you know, for Steph's case, maybe, it's, I don't know if he's getting older, supporting cast is just getting too kind of, I don't know, bleak. But it seems like, I don't know, it's not it's not a one-man show anymore in this league. Listen, if I'm Adam Silver and I'm sitting in my million-dollar home and rubbing my bald head, I think his <laughs> next move right now, he needs to... He needs to find a star and build the league around them, because right now it's like no one knows what's going on. It's like I don't even I haven't looked at the standings in like months. I don't even know who's like contending at this point. Um, I mean, I, I think, think I'm projecting my uninterest into everyone else at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I think I just think there's a before it was such a like there was such a draw to the stars. I think that's what the NBA. I think the NBA is a sport of of stars. People watch to see the big names. No one watches to see, I don't know, 
Brandon Knight uh, at point guard. So I I think they have to they have to kind of they have to get us back to to looking at the big names and and sort of the big narratives. Yeah, I mean, I I think the reality is is that when you say like you know we gotta look out for the big names, I think it really is the big name, and which is LeBron. I think he is so incredibly box office, more box office relative to the other players in the league that when he does eventually step away from the game, the league is going to feel that a lot because there's that's just... what I'm saying. We're already feeling it, man. Because like the last two years, the Lakers haven't competed, right? No, it was the last two years. Um, and then they they won the championship the year before that. So it's like at this point, like LeBron is like hit or miss whether he's even going to compete for the championship. So I I think it's just like and the Lakers are probably the most interesting team not because they're good but just because people want to watch AD LeBron and and Russ. So it just I don't know. No, you make a good. Point. I mean, it, it's tough when I think I I would bet you that the in, like all the like the morning talk shows like ESPN everybody I bet you they talk more about the Lakers than any other team in the NBA and the Lake I mean the Lakers are they're like an 11 seed right now yeah I mean it goes I, there's no weight LeBron carries in the league yeah I mean there's not a more narrative driven sport than NBA and I, for all I'm I've complained about narratives this episode I mean and then in the day it's what keeps sports interesting so I, I think that's just an issue yeah I mean listen I hear what you're saying about the NBA with that said there are some pretty cool storylines. I mean, you've got this Tatum, Jalen Brown duo where, I mean, Tatum's the MVP, according to, I would say most people, they did a straw poll and he emerged as. as yeah. Okay. That's the issue. Tatum MVP. Who cares? Like I might as well watch golf at that point. I mean, listen, I Tatum, I, he doesn't get the most explosive interviews, but I mean, you can't argue with the fact that he's, he's incredible this year, offensively yeah, he, and defensively. His finals record's a little sketch. I don't know. He struggled, sure, but and, and listen, that's not the only fun team. How about the Cavs with with uh, with Donovan Mitchell joining the squad? You know, with Jer- uh, yeah, Jerry see, Murray. I wanted Mitchell to go somewhere. Else. Yeah, no, you're right; they're a fun team, but Mitchell should have went somewhere else. I think. Sure, I mean, but again, it, at some- I mean, it makes sense because he wants to be. He's a young guy; he wants to be on a young team. But I, I feel like he could have made like a super team. Well, he, I mean, he was that wasn't a free agent decision. He had to go where Danny Ainge traded. Him. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So, and I mean. If, Considering the situation, I think he should be feeling pretty fortunate. And listen, he's not. That's not the only. I mean, the Kings are are, are relevant again. The Suns, after that just disaster last year, are still, I guess, mentally strong enough to at least be decent again. The Nuggets are finally good after just being like, you know, they're amazing. The difference, the plus minus with Jokic on the court and off the court, is like, it, it's a difference of like twenty points. And finally, this year, it's still he able to eke out wins that nuggets are 18 and 11 their third seed in the west and then i mean you've got the pelicans you got the zion show where he's just been i mean he doesn't he only averages about 25 points but he, he I, he's lost a ton of weight i know you know what else is funny i like looking i i think he gave it a, an interesting answer in an interview recently like i feel like i didn't realize how hard it is probably to be him and deal with all the weight jokes and it, like imagine like you're, you're a professional athlete who's really really good and everyone is calling you fat every day Oh no, I 100% agree. I like that's the big issue. I feel like people kind of, you know, I think people kind of underestimate the effect that all these jokes have. But I think another thing too is you just named like 15 teams that you all said are good. Like, so it's like we have all these good teams, but who's who's going to compete? I, I think the fun part about it though is that like you know, and again, also the the Grizzlies are good again too. It's, it's that these teams that. It's fun to see new teams kind of at the top of the league. Yeah, but I know I see what you're saying, but like in a seven game series in the playoffs, it's gonna drag watching all these like kind of good teams playing each other. At the end of the day, you want to shoot out. You want to see like yesterday in the World Cup final, Messi versus Mbappe going head to head. You know, giving it their all. If let's say Morocco won against France in the semifinal, we got Argentina versus Morocco. That would have been a way more boring game, even if it finished three three two when they went to penalties. 
Because normally, yeah. like, and I, I like Morocco. I'm, I was ha- I was very happy with how they did, but I think it just you don't you want to see like these big matchups. Yeah, that that's an extremely good point. I mean, the most the highest rated NBA finals of the last you know I think of the century was that era with that was oh Cavs Warriors Cavs Warriors Cavs Warriors, Cavs yeah. Warriors right. I mean, this is a good season for like your NBA hardo nerd guys who like you know look looking at the advanced metrics for Zion's you know field goal percentage in the paint. It's not a good season. For the mainstream audience that just wants to see the big time players, which in, that includes me, by the way, you know, yeah, I, I mean, we'll I, I see LeBron versus Durant in the finals, you know, or something like that. Oh my god, yeah, tell me about it, bro. I mean, listen, if you're watching a Nuggets, I don't know, Suns, you know, matchup in the playoffs, you take Jokic out for five minutes. What are we watching? Compazzo, <laughs> Rondezzo, eight seven seven Rondezzo. Like, what is this? I, uh, we're watching basketball or a freaking car wash ad? I mean. <laughs> I mean, listen. If you took the two best teams in the league from each conference right now, it would be it'd be Grizzlies versus Bucks. Oh or, my God! Don't get me started on John Moran, by the way. That's I, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch that guy play basketball. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, I feel like he's probably one of the most explosive athletes in the. In, oh, in the he's league. so overrated, man. I, I think the Grizzlies' best player is uh, Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr. is very good. I have to say, the guy's yeah, that, really he's, he's the truth. And I mean, with him, they might have a show, but. All right. Well, listen. This is not the. Uh, this is not 2016. This is not maybe like the NBA peak of our uh, of our lifetime. So I far. mean, let me. Oh, yeah, I have a question. So how how often are you watching NBA right now? Are you watching like every day or what? Uh no. I'm watching. I, I have not watched this little in a long time. I don't think I've watched a single game this season. I think, and I, I bet you the NBA is talking about this too. It's going to be very. I mean, like you're saying, the sports in, in general are driven by superstars and the superstars are sitting in the backseat this year. For well, it's him. especially the NBA because there's it's it's five-man teams. So it's like one player is such a huge quantity of the team. Right. Well, if you have two superstars on one team, that makes it way more interesting than having Jokic and then Campazzo. Yeah. I don't know I don't know why I'm crapping on Campazzo so much. I'm sure. He's, <laughs> like, he's like, you know, he's kind of a small statue. I don't even know if he's on the Nuggets anymore. But it's like, I, he just had the flashy passes, but he's a fun player. Yeah, it's like Michael Porter Jr., like Michael Porter mid mid. <laughs> that was a bad one. Yeah, this is all right. Well, anyways, moving on. It's not the NBA season maybe we were hoping for, but when the playoffs come around, the finals come around, it's going to be two really good basketball teams. That's what really matters. See, you say that, but last year, last year's pretty good. All right, well, we'll see. We'll see when the playoffs come around. Like again, like oh, at the end of the day, last year. You had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You know, you had a lot of really good role players like Al Horford. I mean, it's still – there's the stars are going to be there. They're too good to not show up. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a drag to get to that point, though. It might be. It might be. But we'll just have to hope there's going to be some good basketball. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do another sport jump here. And, again, I want to save most of our Jared Goff content because we are going to have a separate podcast about Jared Goff so we can kind of get the full-blown debate. We all know where Akram stands. Well, maybe not talk about NFL if you want. Well, well, we're definitely going to talk NFL, but just the golf element of things. I feel like, I mean, give 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 everybody a little taste. Okay, all I want to say is, for the past two or three months, I've been getting ridiculed, made fun of. I've been going home feeling ashamed of myself and who I am as a person because my friends have been treating me like absolute dog wash, <laughs> all in the name of Jared Goff. And now they've all turned around. They've all they've all changed their their stance on this on this whole debate. So I, at the very least from you, I expect an apology. I, I mean, hopefully today, but at some point. I, I have, actually, no, not just an apology, also an acknowledgement that you were wrong. I mean, 
All I'm going to say is I think if you asked a lot of Lions fans if they had the opportunity to get a guy like uh, Bryce Young in the draft this year, they would still take him. It's not about that. It's about it's the pure disrespect and the lack of appreciation for having such a good quarterback. Listen, he's playing better than I thought he was going to play for us. I will 100% admit that. I was I was wrong about that. Yeah, you were you were a victim of the of the narrative of Jared Goff as a he's a he's a gap year quarterback. He's closing the gap here for the Lions. <laughs> And you you just kind of you committed to that to that sort of uh, narrative. If you look at the playoff picture in the NFC, so you got Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Cowboys. Okay, they're all kind of uh, kind of locked in right now. In that they're, they've clinched a playoff spot. You've got the Bucks, who are currently the four seed because they're leading their division. You have the Giants, who are the six seed. Commanders, the seven seed. Seahawks, eight, and we're nine. So. Well, pretty much what we need to happen is we need because Seattle and us have the same record, but Seattle holds a tie break because we lost that 48 45 shootout against them. We need Seattle to lose one more time, and we need uh, we need Washington to lose uh, twice. And if we went out, we're in. So, of the, the teams that we need to fall out in the commanders and the Seahawks, do you have faith in them losing games? Because it, it, you know, us winning games oh, is yeah. almost a necessity. Oh, yeah, the commanders just lost to a mid Giants team. So I, I think that's already points on the plate for us. Seahawks lost to the 49ers. Granted, here, here's the thing for me. All these teams we're competing with, they had good starts, but the, I feel like they're kind of falling off. We're the opposite. We had a bad start and we're on the way up. So I'm pretty convinced that we'll have a good last three games, a better last three games than the, those other teams. It's just a question of is it going to be enough? Seattle's got Kansas City, which is that's a pretty tough game. They've got Jets who are probably going to be fighting for their playoff lives. And then they, Seattle finishes with the Rams in, in, in week 18. So, I mean, th- that's kind of a gimme. The Jets is a close one. I, I they're gonna I could see them easily losing one game. Let's take a look at the Commanders' remaining schedule, okay? Because we need them to lose a little bit too. So the Commanders have San Francisco. They have Cleveland, who's playing. Deshaun Watson's getting a little bit better. Cleveland is playing better the last few weeks. And then they have Dallas in week 18. Dallas is probably going to wow, be. that's a tough schedule. Yeah, they're going to be Dallas is going to be jockeying for uh, for playoff seating, even though they already have the the actual playoff berth clinched. So, the Commanders could very well lose. Long story short, the bigger thing is us winning our remaining three games. I know Carolina, yeah, uh, Bears, and the Packers. The the thing is, our schedule is so winnable, but it's just like Packers is always going to be no matter how bad they're doing or not. They win, by the way, this today. They're uh, they're right currently now. playing right now. Let's see what the score is. Yeah, they're up twenty four twelve. So. Um, I mean, they're not that great this year. I mean, they're only one game behind us, one win behind us, and it's always going to be a tough game no matter what. I'm sure Rodgers wants to spoil our parade. Okay, that's the last game of the season, right? Oh, uh, that is our, yeah in Lambeau. Yeah, so I mean, that's going to be it's not it's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, and then next week we have the Panthers. We should win that. I'm sorry if we don't win that, then we don't deserve playoffs. Yeah, I mean that. that I mean they're fighting for because the, just because their division is so bad, but we we should be able to win that game. No, then the Bucks division. Yep, NFC South. Yeah. No, I mean, we should beat them. And then the Bears are the Bears. I mean, Jack Barons can't stop us. <laughs> That's well said. So let's take a, just a quick look at the AFC, which isn't really quite as relevant for us. But so you've got you've got the Bills and the Chiefs are the only teams that have clinched. The Bengals are on their way to clinching. The Titans are reeling, but they're in the AFC South, and which is so bad that they actually will probably still make it. Uh, the Ravens, who have been struggling with Lamar Jackson now, you got the Chargers, who are kind of rounding out, rounding into form after kind of a shaky start in the season, and then your Miami Dolphins are currently the seventh seed and the last team in right now, which is crazy because they've had a pretty good year, but they've kind of fallen off recently. Yeah, I mean, 
I, you know, I, everyone's talking about Tua is kind of falling back to earth a little bit. And I mean, I think, that, you know, game flow and who he's played against and the defenses and playing in the snow and all this stuff. I mean, okay, Tua or Jared Goff? I'd probably take Jared Goff over Tua. Wow. Controversial. I don't even know how I'd say that. I just, like, I've just, I don't know. I, I'm just a little bit unsure about it. doesn't have the genesis why, I feel like. I mean, you don't trust him in a big moment. I think Tua does have the genesis qua in the sense he's like a really good leader. Like, he's very well liked in the locker room. But, I mean, he just, he, he's just, he's not that, he's more athletic than Goff, for example, but he's not that athletic. He doesn't have that much arm strength. He's, yeah. I've heard, well, from what I've heard from like, you know, football guys like Trent Dilford has talked about, he's got, he, Tua has the best anticipation that he's seen from any player like ever that he's ever really watched. People, man, people overestimate the amount of athleticism you need as a quarterback. People act like if we had Michael Fox, Michael Hubbs as a quarterback, we'd be the best team in the world. Sure. I, I, I mean, I think golf, he's not athletic, but I, it doesn't, it's not to his detriment. He doesn't get sagged that much more than anyone else. He's not like, you know, he's not unable to get out of pressure like that badly. He's usually honestly pretty solid at it. Granted, he has a good O line, but I mean, still. Right. I mean, these are all good points. I don't know. I mean, you're right. And and the other thing is like it, the the freaky athletic quarterbacks. I talked about this in an episode a while ago. Like they're not the ones who who win the Super Bowls. But yeah. Um. But yeah. I don't know. The Dolphins. I mean, they're well coached. You know, they still have a really solid defense. They still have like Tyree Kill, who's like just good for a fifty plus yard touchdown every single game. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can finish. Waddle's season. good. Waddle's great. Yeah. You've got Kaseki who can't do the the gritty or whatever the dance thing is. But yeah, the biggest mistake we can make as a franchise is getting Lamar Jackson. I don't know, it'd be kind of sick. No, it would be a it'd be dedicating a lot of money. No, that's like a typical 2005 Lions move. You're probably right. I know we we got to I mean, let's stick with the culture that we're building, and Jared Goff's definitely a part of that. Yeah, I, and I if you ask Dan Campbell who he wants as his starting quarterback for the future, it's Jared Goff because he has the trust in him. You might be right. I mean, listen, Dan's not a guy who's going to. And I'm just like, can you imagine weeks ago if we had if you if I told you we'd have this conversation right now and you'd be agreeing with me? No, I could not imagine look this. Look how far we've come. Goff is he's he's really he's made the haters look wrong. But let's uh let's make one more jump here because we talked we've kind of hit uh, we've hit soccer, we've hit basketball, we've hit football, we've kind it's of sports circle. Yeah, we've made the, the nice little sports circle. So let me ask you this, because I've been trying to ask everybody who comes on about you know just how life is going. And for you, you know, and similar to how I talked about with Lauren and with Grayson in the past, you were in just like just like me, you're in a gap year. And so can you talk a little bit about your job as a clinical research coordinator at MIU, and then just kind of like some of the more fun things you've been up to since uh, since graduating. Yeah, I mean, work is uh, it's good. It's it's nice to keep me busy, I guess, during you know during the week. Uh, my job is like it's solid. It's not like the most exciting thing in the world, but it's a good experience, which I think is good for for where I am right now, and just trying to like build up some experiences here and and sort of you know broaden my horizons. Um, with that being said, I think my days are numbered. Um, kind of like Ronaldo at this job. So I'm trying to make the most of it before I completely jump ship. Uh, but I, I think I, I can't complain because it's a good thing. It's a good job. And, and I, I think I've, I got lucky to get like a pretty good job. It's not too stressful or anything. Um, and it's pretty laid back. Uh, so, yeah. And then, I mean, I think outside of that, just having like, I'm sure you can relate to this, but having like, this much free time, I think, is this year. It's just been very like relaxing, because yeah. it's always like I feel like with school and stuff, it's always like there's always like some kind of like weight on your shoulders. Um, so I I think it's nice. I'm trying to really soak in this this one year we have of just like kind of relaxing and stuff before we get back to school. So yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, it's only going to get harder moving forward. So I, I completely agree with you. This is like such a, a unique opportunity that we have in our lives. And it's like, it's very, like, we have the luxury of just kind of, you know, of working, but kind of just taking our foot off the gas by such a, a wide margin compared to what we were doing in, in during school. Yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're gonna like, look back at this year and be like, wow, I wish I was there again, because I mean, things are only gonna go downhill from here. I mean, not yeah. like, we're not gonna like, we're not, you know, skydiving or anything, but like, Right, uh, but it's gonna be a lot more, a lot more stress. I think there's a lot more stress, but it's also it's a lot more like fulfillment. You're gonna learn a lot of cool things. I mean, there's a lot of cool yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm very excited. I'm yeah. excited. I just want to make sure that I'm I'm ready going into it. So yeah. I think that is is having you know enjoying this time off. Yeah. With that in mind, though, I'm kind of the kind of person where like if I don't have some kind of structure to my day and you know having things keep me busy, I kind of just turn into like a degenerate, uh, and it's kind of. <laughs> It's, it's a little sad, but like, I, I really have to like find ways to like keep myself cognitively engaged outside of like work and stuff. Cause like, I mean, my schedule just, I mean, like I was about to take a nap before you called me. It's 10 PM. <laughs> so I mean, thank you for calling me by the way. Cause I mean, I was about to take a nap, a two hour nap and probably go wake up and go back to sleep for actually going to sleep. <laughs> so well, I could be the savior, man. <laughs> I, <laughs> this day has been somewhat, uh, somewhat salvaged. But I'm trying to find, you know, like I, I did, I'm doing these like boxing classes. They're like, yeah, pretty fun. Do like once, twice a week. Uh, it's a, it's a nice way to like do a workout. That's not like it's your standard, like run of the mill gym stuff. So it's sure. a little different. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm watching Breaking Bad, uh, per your recommendation. So um, talk a little bit about what your experience has been. Who, who's your, who, talk about some of your favorite characters. Maybe who oh, you Saul, Saul Goodman is for sure my favorite character. Yeah. That guy's freaking hilarious. Uh, and I, I just think he brings such a different dynamic to the show that you don't get with other characters. Um, I don't know. Oh, probably... Who's the what's in the house? Yeah, it's like you know, let's not let's not get caught up in the who, what, and whens. <laughs> it's just like that. Like he just he has such a, like a distinct personality, and I think Bob Odenkirk did a great job with him. Um, let me think. And so, so I watched season one through four. I watched them like pretty fast. Like that was, I think I just I I wasted so much time these past few weeks watching that show. So um, it's time if you're watching Breaking Bad. Yeah, I know it was, it was been enjoyable, but uh, the f- season one through four, I don't know if you're gonna remember like exactly like how the division of the seasons went. So I thought they were all good and they all like followed like a similar sort of formula. Um, season five has been like I'm only halfway through it right now, but I haven't really enjoyed it as much. I don't know why. I think something's just a little different with it. Um, the other thing I, I think I was trying to put my finger on what I wasn't like enjoying as much, and maybe you'll agree with me here, is that I think in seasons one through four, what kind of like kept me intrigued and like uh sort of made made the show like realistic was the fact that Walt's like motivations were kind of justifiable. Mm-hmm. Like it was his priority was always his family, or like whatever he had cancer and wants to pay for treatment, or his providing for his families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it feels like now it's just he's just being a criminal for no reason. So I, I think it makes it harder. To, and like, I thought it's part of the transformation was that he's now just like a full-blown criminal, but like, it just makes it like less realistic for me. Cause it's like, what, what's the point of this now? That's fair. But to me, it makes it more realistic because I mean, the, the show, but like you're breaking, like Walt has, has broken bad. Like he's, he's turned to like this darker version of himself. And I think what you've started to realize in the show is that he's, he tells himself, yeah, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my family. He tells himself that throughout the whole show. And when you start to realize in season five is that he's not at anymore. I mean, he has an absurd amount of money. He's not doing it for his family anymore. He's, he's, well, he's, he's, he said in the beginning he was broke at the beginning of the season. 
And then what just happened now was that he got offered $5 million and he was like, I'm not going to take it. I'd rather just sell the, like make meth and sell it off for like $100 million. So right. it's like, that doesn't make sense. Take the 5 million, your family's set for the rest of your life. And then your kids will have a lot of money, you know? So it's like, I don't, there's no logic anymore. I, th I think what he found is that it's not just about the money. It's like the rush of it and the satisfaction of being Heisenberg, this like, you know, feared drug lord. It's the fact that it, it, in, in the worst way, is that he's not doing it for his family. He's doing it for his own satisfaction, his own ego. and his Yeah, own I see that. I guess I can see that. Like he said in like the last episode, I think he was like, I'm not looking, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it to make an empire or some, something along those lines. I don't remember what the quote was exactly. There's a, there's another very telling line. I think it, it might even be in the finale of the show where it, it kind of like exposes the fact that like, you know, he, he secretly likes it more maybe than he should. Okay. Yeah, but, I, I mean, the show itself is, is very good. It's very intriguing. I think Gus is like the most intimidating person I've seen in TV of all, like in history. It's terrifying, yeah. And I, I think they did a really good job with him. I didn't realize the guy who plays him is also in Mandalorian. Oh, really? He's a bad guy in Mandalorian too. So he's like, that guy's just a good villain, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what's his name like Esposito or some shit? Despacito? That's Despacito. <laughs> Sounds right. Um. So yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the show? I mean, I think, I think it's the best show I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just like with Brian Cranston, who plays Walt, is that he, he, his character development from being this like mild mannered, I mean, he's, yeah. kind of, he's a weenie in the beginning of the show, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. He becomes this like self destructive, just ruthless drug lord. Like he, 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 he just envelops himself in this role that he's created for himself and he becomes terrifyingly good at it. And I think, he has such like this rage factor and I mean, he just, he, he, he plays the part a little bit too well. And it's, it's really, I mean, he just, he completely just unravels his entire personality. He's just not the same person in season five as he was in season one. And that like just degradation of morality. And it, it, it's crazy to watch. And he does a, an amazing job of that. Yeah. Two things on that one. If you ever watch like rewatch parts from season one, it's like, it's legit crazy. Cause yeah. first of all, not only is Walt so much different, also Jesse's way different. Yeah. Like, Jesse's like this, like, super careless, like, just like trying to be like a gangster kind of guy. And now he's like this super, like, emotionally intelligent guy who's like way more rational than Walt is. Um, yeah. So it's just crazy how, like, because you don't realize throughout the show, because it's like kind of a gradual transition. Like, you obviously realize to some extent, but it's like, if you go back all the way to season one, it's like, holy crap, these are like different characters. Yeah. And Jesse, also, Jesse just, like, goes through a lot in that show. Yeah, I know. It's they did a good job with him too. Another thing too with that with the Brian Cranston is that if you ever watch like his interviews and stuff, he just like fits. He's such a like a good like dad, like dad like personality. So that's why I think he does a good job because you like can tell totally, like you get the dad vibe of like oh he wants to care for his kids, but then also he just like sort of shows us a rage where like it just I don't know. I, I you know I listened to a, a podcast once where someone was ranking like the most well liked celebrities and like two people were giving their top five and definitely at least one of them had Brian Cranston in there. He's like he's just like he's first of all he's awesome interviews like you're saying, and everybody just likes that guy because he's just he's just a dad exactly. Yeah, he has also that he's a dad Malcolm in the middle too. So I mean yeah, and then Aaron Paul that's his name right? Aaron Paul yeah yeah you got T uh, Todd Todd from Buckjack Horseman. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like good actors in that show. Yeah, yeah, the casting's great. I mean, every, every, you know, the, the actors playing Marie, Skyler, uh, I think it, it's something gone. And a gun, yeah. 
Um, the guy who plays Hank. I mean, they just nailed it with everybody in that Dude, show. The, the guy, guy who plays Mike. Hank, I saw an interview with him too. That guy said he's like, <laughs> he's a funny guy. Dean Norris, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. He he also, I think the thing with the show is they, they had the act, actors who like are similar to the characters, which is yeah, why it's such a good job. A bit. Yeah. Because like, it's like half the battles, like they fit the role so well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great show. It's just top to bottom. And I love, you know, I know you're approaching the ending. I think the ending is great. Which is rare for a lot of these great shows. They often just kind of tail off. We'll see. End. I'm not gonna. I'm hedging my bets. Right, right, yeah. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't put uh, what is it, the horses before the cart, whatever that saying is. But yeah, uh, horse cart bets everything. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to see how how, how it goes for you. I, I, you got to keep posted. Appreciate you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think some marks here. Then my closing remarks is that. I appreciate the the intellect you brought today. I, I mean, the Jared Goff you, you, with uh, hopefully hopefully your Jared Goff takes mirror your Ronaldo takes, and then you can be right on both of those. Although I think you have an up, more of an uphill battle with that one. At this point, I hope my Ronaldo takes mirror my Jared Goff takes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got, man. It sounds like things are going well for you this year, and uh, and yeah, looking well, forward. Dude, to, appreciate uh, you having me on. Hopefully we'll get the uh, the Jared Goff podcast coming out soon. But, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, guys.